Hey, I'm Jamery Parker. And I'm Brooks Brunson. And we're here to guide you through the forces shaping new stories in the Palmetto State. This is Understand South Carolina. Woohoo! Yeah. Welcome to the show. So we're really excited about today's episode where we're talking about one force that is really impossible to avoid if you're, well, not only if you live in Charleston, but if you just do a nice little drive through downtown. And that is uh, hotel developments and the booming tourism industry. Uh, so we have our wonderful tourism reporter, Emily Williams, here with us today. Hello, Emily. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And so she's going to help us kind of unpack this a little bit, kind of talk about what the city is doing to deal with some of these developments, why it's happening, all these sorts of things. I have like a kind of dumb, hard question <laughs> to ask you to start. Let's which do it. It's okay if you can't do it. But could you describe what's going on with hotels in Charleston in three words? Oh, in three words. Hmm. I might have to think about this. I for know. A I was second. like, I'm gonna catch her off guard. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. 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 There are definitely a lot of words that that keep coming up again and again. Over concentration. Well, I guess if you yeah. just do a phrase, it's over concentration on the peninsula. That's it. That's, That's four words. Yeah. I'm sorry, I cheated. But on the, they're short words. Right. Um, but, but, yeah, we're counting articles. Well, I'll, I'll let it slide. <laughs> But that is a phrase that we keep hearing again and again. I'm hearing it at city council meetings. I'm hearing it at board of zoning appeals meetings. Um, it really just everywhere. And that's the phrase we keep hearing is over concentration on the peninsula. We're really not talking about West Ashley, North Charleston, Mount Pleasant. We're really talking about the peninsula. And that's what people care about right now. How many hotels are in the process of being built right now on the peninsula? Do you know? So uh, in an easier way to break it down in terms of getting an idea of what we have now and what is in the pipeline, I actually do have my numbers because these are numbers I've been hearing a lot lately. So we're talking the peninsula. We have 4,900 rooms right now. So usually you're talking rooms and not hotel developments um, okay. just in terms of scale of, of measuring how many hotel rooms we have compared to how many residents we have. Right. But I guess the, the reason I asked about the developments, you yeah. know, as the as a person that, you know, isn't tracking this, you know, I think that you said 4,900 rooms. Yes. It's kind of hard for, I think, some maybe some of our readers or listeners to yeah. like, comprehend that. But what mm -hmm. we always see, though, are like construction cranes, construction, you know, stuff popping right, up. Right. So do you have any can you kind of. Describe what 4,900 means or like how many rooms are per hotel. Yeah, yeah. It, it varies a lot. So on most of the peninsula, new hotels are restricted to only having 50 rooms. That's something that obviously hasn't been around forever because we have a lot of hotels, especially around the city market area that have more rooms than that. Um, yeah. But that's one of those changes. 50, I think, to maybe help listeners get a like a mental image 50 is pretty small that's like a boutique hotel it's a boutique okay. hotel yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, so that, that's like if if it helps to get you like a mental image like some of these bigger developments like uh, the Hyatt place or Charleston mm -hmm. place these have a few hundred hotel rooms right okay. right whereas yeah so most most places on the peninsula are now restricted to only 50 rooms. So there's a property um, that's being built on East Bay that's going to be called the Saint Hotel. That's under construction right now. Um, there you're looking at a boutique property that's under that 
that limit. But at the same time, you have a, a few different properties going on Upper Meeting Street where they don't have that same restriction, and those are going to be bigger properties. They haven't actually started construction yet, but there are three different hotels on Upper Meeting one Street. Of, one of the lines coming. on this topic, though, one of the lines that kind of struck me in um, your most recent story, uh, they it, it said that they actually didn't know how many hotels were on the peninsula, and that kind of blew my mind. Wait, like, how, how how do you yeah. how, how is that possible? Yeah, well, the the number they were specifically trying to figure out was how many full service hotels. Are on the peninsula. Full service means? Full service means that it has a ballroom and a certain, not necessarily a ballroom, sorry, but um, like a, conference a certain, conference, yeah. Yeah, a certain square footage of conference space, meeting space, and also a restaurant that serves three meals a day. That is currently the definition of full service. They're actually trying to make that more specific. That's one of the possible changes, but the city, at least as of um, very recently, did not know how many full-service hotels there were. So people were being left in a position of trying to decide how many more full-service hotels to allow while operating off of a guess of how many full-service hotels exist. So maybe that's part of the problem here, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, does, that seems necessary, doesn't it? I never even, that's not something that I knew really before yes. this conversation. I mean, yes. That's, yeah. I, yeah. Like, so what, yeah, and, and the estimate that was offered at um, the last planning commission meeting was about nine. A lot of those are around the city market area. So when you're thinking of full-service hotel, a good example is um, Hotel Bennett that just opened earlier this year, or um, uh, Charleston Place. Right. Um, there are more than that, but those are kind of two of the prominent examples. If you're trying to picture what a full-service hotel is like, those are two good examples. Okay, like the Vindu, that's a hotel, right? Mm-hmm. But is that a full, I mean, that's a, more of a It doesn't qualify as full-service yeah. because of um, it doesn't have enough meeting space to qualify as that. Okay. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's complicated, too, because if we're only counting full-service hotels and there's still, like, I mean, the Vindu is still a pretty big i mean it's not huge but it's a decently sized hotel so it's like Mm -hmm. i feel like you can kind of you know skirt around certain rules but i guess that's why they're they've got this 50 room limit kind of right so full service is all about now as the rules currently are is is almost everywhere on the peninsula like i said you're capped at 50 rooms but there is this box on upper meeting street and we're talking from bordered by King Street, Ann Street, Meeting Street. And Mary Street? Because I know there's the the area that was formerly occupied by the courtyard's apartments. The, right. The, like I actually it's just, in that it's in that box. I, yeah. I, I walked I like walked by there the other day and like these used to be these like apartments called the courtyards and some people I knew lived there in college and, and the whole thing has just been demolished right. by a hotel. And I was like, Whoa, what happened there? Yeah. Like those just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I know, and and that's you know from a story I read of yours, there's going to be like a 252 room hotel or something like that around there. There, yeah. So that that hotel is very important right now. It's been very important over the last several months because that hotel and the approval of that property specifically. So many people, and we're talking the mayor, members of the board of zoning appeals, other people from city council, preservation society, historic. Charleston uh, Foundation, they kept referring to that property as the tipping point. 
And that's when we saw a hotel task force formed. That's when we saw new changes to the accommodations rules, to the hotel rules. Um, So that property is actually really interesting because it really became uh, what got people going on this the last several months. So it's, right, a 252-room hotel on a lot on Meeting Street that's a parking lot right now. But it was originally purchased for the Charleston School of Law. They were supposed to build there. And then they decided that lot wasn't a good fit for them anymore and sold it. And then the developer wanted to build a hotel. And that actually did get approved. It got approved by the zoning board that has to approve every hotel. But, and I was at that meeting, it went into, gosh, it went until like 10 o'clock at night. There was, I've, I've never seen them debate a hotel for that long. Um, but the chair of that board, Leonard Krawcheck, actually was saying, I'm looking for a way to turn this down because I don't think it's good for this area, but there's nothing in the city rules that would let me legally say this hotel can't be put there. Okay. Then that's back up. So, yeah. um, for something to get approved like that. Yes. So obviously the the developer wants it approved. Was there anybody else though on the board that did want the hotel to be built there? That that board their role is they have to look at the property, look at the request, look at what is in the ordinance and just see do they check all of is these boxes? Is it allowed? Okay. Yeah. They, there isn't, the, at it's least not, as the rules are written now, right. there really isn't room to say, I think this is good for the area. I don't think this is good for the area. They have to go through a pretty specific well, checklist. So that, and that's basically the way to make change there is by changing an ordinance. And that's like through like exactly. city council. That has been, and that's why right, that okay. became the focus is this. So it's called, it's called the, the, Board of Zoning Appeals, and then a hyphen, and then the word zoning again. So it's... Oh, it's very exciting. It's so, <laughs> so exciting. B-Z-A-Z. Um, Bazazz. Yeah. Bazazz. They meet They meet twice a month, Tuesday Tuesday evenings. Been there many, many times, especially recently. Because this is how Emily likes to spend her Tuesday yeah, nights. Yeah, Tuesday nights at the B-Z-A-Z meetings. <laughs> Tru- truly, though, I have been to many of them. I actually do find them interesting sometimes. Uh, but they have they have been interesting lately because, like I said, this huge hotel property, they were discussing it for so well I'm, over like, an hour. I'm curious, though, like what what makes a hotel right or wrong for an area mm-hmm. or and then I guess like even just brought more broadly, like what what are the stakes that we're talking about with with hotels and like why we would want more or less in, in the city? And yeah. I think that just so we don't get too far away from right. this one thing while you're answering that kind of wrap in as to why this one spot was the tipping point. Yeah, exactly. Know, with that with that contact. One of the first issues that they had generally with this property is just how large it is. Mm-hmm. Of the question of should we even have a hotel that is 252 rooms on the peninsula? That was that was part of the question of of scale. But really one of the one of the main questions was this hotel is really close to a lot of other hotels. Um, if you look in that 
area, you don't even have to walk a block. You walk right, across the, the street. Right, there's the Holiday Inn. Mm-hmm. There's the, the Hyatt, which, which like, is a double hotel, which really. I'm mm-hmm. literally look at, yeah. looking at right now at the, <laughs> right, right the, out window, the window. The window of our podcast studio looks yeah. at the Hyatt. <laughs> it's a it's a huge property. Yeah, exactly. Uh, where we are in the, the newsroom is is right in this area. That's it's It is that full service box. So that means there are already a lot of the largest hotels on the peninsula are in this this small area. So that was that was the conversation of do we really need another hotel there? Do we want to turn this part of the peninsula into a quote unquote hotel district? That Market was those were too, the like. Yeah, and that was the those were the the phrases I was I was hearing, you know, again, over concentration of hotels in in that area. Concerns about traffic, of course, because of that. Um, concerns about the fact that that lot was originally going to be used for the Charleston School of Law. Thoughts about what else could go there. Could it be housing? Could it be office space? Will the f- first floor have any retail for residents to use? Right. Those are the questions that keep coming up again a lot of that about displacing mm-hmm. office space, right. displacing, and that's something we talk. We units. talk a lot about on this podcast is you know the fact that Charleston is already a really expensive city to live and work in. So, I mean, it sounds like these hotels are competing for space with a lot of the projects that might go to benefit residents as opposed mm-hmm. to tourists. Of course, that being said, we tourism is a big industry here, and we also Absolutely. benefit from from tourism. So. Not not quite as clear cut, but but then there's also of course the issue of you know our hospitality worker worker shortage right now. Right. So do we even have? I mean, you know, because you know as we've talked about on this podcast, the cost of living is going up, and you know a lot of these places don't pay that well, and then there's just so many of these jobs, but nobody can afford to live. And, yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> you know, yeah, right? that is an extremely <laughs> valid question. Do we have the uh, labor force to staff all of the hotels that are already open now. There's that question, and to be opened in the future. And then those it's a really legitimate question. Being there are going to make properties here around them more expensive, right? Because they're kind of this is a gentrifying Correct. area that we're yes. talking about. With these, I mean, this area, um, the Meeting Street one, Upper Meeting Street area, you know, just a few years ago was. Not a place that I would have thought a hotel would be, you know. Like. Exactly. Those those properties are are interesting. Um, one is going to be uh, replacing what is now a pretty much empty one story warehouse. Another one is going on a lot that is just empty right now. So those aren't displacing anything, definitely. Um, but at the same time, there's there's not much around them yet. So I'm interested to see what happens in that area with those properties specifically. Um, right, it seems wild to me that like the up like you know up here would become a tourism area. I mean, I guess it's already mm-hmm. kind of on the way yeah. there, but that's just wild. I mean, this used to be. I've lived in this part of town several times. Spent a lot of time in college here, and you know, we there was like a a space behind Reed Brothers where we'd have like parties and stuff. It was like, you know, like literally like just in that lot because that's how like empty this area was. There wasn't, right? you know, so it's just weird. Yeah, it really is. Another one, just, I I think this is a a good one to bring up too. Um, You mentioned this earlier, the the courtyard apartments 
Yeah, um, and those were, were those were torn portable. down. Yeah, yeah those were torn, so that, torn that, down a few yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah, and um, the plans for the hotel, condos, and apartments that are planned there are just now going through the BAR, the Board of Architectural Review oh, process. Wait, so that's not the scene. So I had in my head that that like real controversial, the Charleston School of Law thing was at the courtyards, but is that a different? It's at a different lot that is very close, very close. So, I mean, that kind of gets to that. And that was another thing that people brought up is we already have this very large hotel that's already been approved and it's going to be built where the courtyard apartments used to be. Do we need another another one? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And there there actually was there was a little bit of confusion with that, too. Right. Because they're they're very close together. Um, But no, this the one at the courtyards has been approved, approved several years ago. And uh, Michael Bennett, Bennett Hospitality is doing that. So most people know Michael Bennett's name if they're involved in any sort of development or business. He's he just opened Hotel Bennett. Um, He owns a lot of hotel properties in the Charleston area. He's doing a huge hotel and residential and retail development now over at Patriots Point. That's right, yeah. You just yeah, yeah. Thing. So, I mean, just search Bennett Hospitality posting career. You'll see a lot of stories recently about different developments. But this one on Meeting Street, as long as the plans go through as they are now and it gets built, it is really going to change how that area looks. We're talking hmm, at least... One building is eight stories tall. Oh my um, god! Really? Yes. I I I encourage looking up the 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 story again. If you search courtyard apartments, Bennett Hospitality, and um, we can also link to some of these stories in our yeah, show notes. Yeah, yeah. that would be yeah. great. So we didn't know what it might look like until recently. So I get excited when hotels are going to the Board of Architectural Review for the first time because that means their design plans are public for the first time. And that's when we actually get to look how they're look at how they're going to change the area. And that development was one that I just I had such a reaction to because it is an empty parking lot right now. And it is very interesting to look at those renderings and to see what is planned there because it it, it, it really will change that area. You'd be amazed how much yeah. can be fit onto that lot. I feel like the post and career building's about to be like well, it already kind of is. Like, it's going to look at so really out mm-hmm. of place. Yeah. Yeah. We're right here by all of this. I mean, we already have um, the guild, those nice apartments. Yeah, next right door. Yeah. 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 But to kind of get back to, Emery was asking, like, you know, what makes a hotel good or bad for an area? One one thing that we wanted to touch on today was the, the rooftop bar bands. Yeah. Both Emery and I are kind of like, why? Who yeah. cares? Like, that doesn't, like, I get the existence of the hotel, but. So that's an interesting one. Yeah, that seems like it's been one of the like really big fault lines in this whole issue, but it does seem really random. So what is what's it about? I was at the hotel task force meeting when this got brought up for the first time, and it truly was thrown out there as an idea. Someone said, "Let's ban drinking on a roof." That's what let's, they said. Let's <laughs> ban let's ban bars or restaurants on hotel rooftops. The reason they were citing was complaints from neighborhood groups and residents of of noise. But to be clear, this would only apply to hotels. This wouldn't stop any other business right. from having a uh, bar or restaurant on the rooftop. But most 
But the, I mean, almost every single rooftop bar I'm thinking of are, is on a hotel. Correct. So. Correct. Yes. One of the properties that's being planned for Upper Meeting Street, um, their, their plans have a, their plans have a rooftop bar. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's definitely something that you commonly see and it makes sense why yeah, if you're like building a, huge, a hotel you would want to do that i mean that's a huge that. thing in charles i mean absolutely oh yeah there's there's a ton of, of rooftop bars they're great yeah i mean yeah. when the weather's nice it, it's it's a tremendous and off right it was it was so that was surprising to me um when it was brought up in the hotel task force for the first time because the people in the room were pretty okay with it well, I know there was some debate but, a few years ago about the dewberry. Well, so yeah, I was going to bring that up because I, yeah. so the thing the thing the thing is <laughs> the, the thing dewberry. about it is I I can I can kind of understand where maybe neighborhood groups are coming from with see so like uh, I'm thinking about like stars or something like it's a three story right, building right. and that's pretty close to the ground and I can imagine if you're living in a house nearby maybe you can Absolutely. hear the noise. I mean, I used to live on the same block as as Palace Hotel. You know, it doesn't have a rooftop bar, but right. it has that backyard. And I could hear that from my room, and that was a little bit annoying. So I feel like this rooftop bar thing really exploded, though, with this particular development, the Dewberry. That's yes. In downtown Charleston, there's one of the few like tall buildings that's been there for a really long time. Is this old federal building, and it was just kind of sitting there forever, you know, ugly and abandoned and unused. And then a few years ago, it was bought and developed and turned into this you know fancy new hotel called the Dewberry, and what happened is they announced that they were going to have a rooftop 360 bar. And it's a tall building, right? So it's it that would be a great rooftop bar, like if I can editorialize right. that. Like it would it would have great views. <laughs> but it is right there in a the neighborhood. But at the same time, it's really tall. I, I know, can't yeah. like so that that's right. kind of what I'm thinking is that actually if like I can imagine like these three-story buildings, these like bars and boutique hotels, I can imagine that's probably problematic. But if you want rooftop bars anywhere, I think you would want them on these on like these big, tall, tall buildings, like eight-story. I mean, my assumption with the Dewberry specifically, you don't see this kind of um, pushback on, say, the high end next to us where there's poor, right? right? I think that's a really high up one. It's not yeah. near homes necessarily, but... Poor um, is, a, is a bar, a rooftop bar. Yes, poor is yeah. a rooftop bar. Yeah. But, if you know, the Dewberry, it is just kind of like the Dewberry is like, in like the Ragborough Ansonboro neighborhood, kind of. Right, so I don't yeah. know if that is a element because it's like right next to some homes. And the reason why that turned into a legal battle as well is because the hotel did move forward with having a rooftop bar before actually getting yeah. the okay from the city. So that got a that little got bold there, Dewberry. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not even completely resolved, but um, the operations there are a little more limited because of that um in terms of how many people they have up there at a time that one was that one was definitely an interesting case so is it open do they yes Mm -hmm. yeah i i was i was surprised like i said at the hotel task force when that came up there was some conversation about it and people just seemed to be in agreement and that Mm -hmm. was that was put into the proposed ordinance but fast forward to I know I'm bringing up all these fun um, planning commission, you know, I'm like BCAZ planning commission, <laughs> but I mean, they're important um, and they're part of this process. The rules had to to go to them recently and at least a couple different members of that group very clearly said, we think banning rooftop bars wholesale is a bit much. 
was essentially what they said. Yeah. Um, and they didn't necessarily pass on a specific recommendation. These rules are are going back to the hotel task force and then to city council again before they actually get, if they are approved, approved. And they essentially said, take another look at that. Maybe think about instead of saying no rooftop bars, having specifications, which are not in the rules right now, about where you can have them in terms of proximity to the neighborhood. They didn't bring up height of the building, but I think that makes sense Mm -hmm. because the rules right now are encouraging 50-room properties. So you are going to get some smaller buildings that are that are closer to the ground well, except it, yeah. in areas like upper peninsula maybe that's a good fit well, that, it, if that yeah. makes sense that leads me to to one question i had when i was i was um all right so one of the members of this of this group Winslow Hasty of the uh historic charleston foundation so what he was saying is that his group would prefer these boutique hotels these 50 room Correct. hotels he thinks they uh scale better with the city mm-hmm. Immediately, what came to my mind is, uh, have you looked at the prices of some of these boutique hotels where you know, we're yes. talking like $400, $500 a night? So yes. the kind of the, the question that occurs to me is, is we've talked a lot, obviously, about the impact on residents. But what about impact on tourists? Mm-hmm. Do we do we care if if like how affordable it is to come visit Charleston is you know, is, is that is that something people are talking about? Or? That has definitely not been part yeah. of the conversation. I will say that hmm. it is not. That has not been something that I have heard anyone bring up in these conversations. It's definitely gotten to the point where if you look at the prices and not, I would say not just for the boutique hotels. You might yeah, be surprised how even, expensive yeah. nights are in some of the older, bigger name brand hotels on the peninsula. Those are still pretty expensive you pretty much have to go off the peninsula now to to have something more affordable. Obviously, everyone's definition of affordable is is different, but um, limitations on short term rentals also mean fewer Airbnbs on the peninsula. A lot of times, mm-hmm. people turn to that for a cheaper mm-hmm. option. But when I when I had family visit and they were looking for a hotel, I said. Yeah. West Ashley. Yeah, I've, I've been, and we, been in that situation before. Reasonable places in West Ashley. Um, and I haven't heard it as part of the debate, uh, you know, part of the the policy conversation, but it's definitely a reality that hotels have really increased in, in price in the peninsula. At the same time, that's also driven up in a positive way from a from a business perspective, the f- figures that, that come out of our hotel market. They, they're still well well above average like the average daily rate now this this is going to sound low but it's 1 153 this is an average for the the region but compared to South Carolina as a whole 117 so 153 compared to 117 is 153 like the Charleston area is that Charleston region yeah and 153 seems pretty high i mean Right. I mean, right. if you think about like, you know, your average sounds mall. sounds low yeah, for I mean, like if, peninsula. If th- it sounds low for peninsula, but yeah. If you're, yeah, but that's the peninsula is driving it up. It's very high and our the occupancy rates here still really high. And we actually saw them down a little bit in mm-hmm. June, which is interesting. We've seen occupancy rates go down not by huge amounts, but they've been down a little bit in the last a little bit less than a year because we are getting more rooms. Yeah, so the same. Yeah. The demand. So we're still there. yeah, 
But the thing is, occupancy being down in June was still 83%. Right. That's really high. That's really high. Sometimes it's it can actually be really hard to find a, a, a hotel on the peninsula, yeah. depending on what's going on. So we're we're seeing we're seeing the effect in occupancy rates in terms of absorbing all this new supply, but everyone that I talk to says, yeah, but Charleston is still doing much better. Like most most cities would love to see the occupancy rates that we're still seeing. I mean, there is a point where that can change. You right. know, you could get to a point where it's dipping below seventy percent, but we are nowhere close to that for our busy season. Right. And so that 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 means though like the reality is just the brass tax if you're a developer exactly. and you're sitting on a piece of property on the peninsula, why wouldn't you build a hotel on it? Exactly. That, it's you're still gonna, smart. You know, yeah. Right. I mean, you could build a 200 unit apartment building and charge people what? 2000 a month. Or you could build a 200 room hotel and charge people $500 a night. Yes. And have it be 80% occupied. Yeah. Like, you could have it be it's, it's much less it's occupied a, than that. It's, a, it's still, it's still make, yeah, yeah. It's, an, it's a no-brainer. So it, yeah. it really would come down to the city and regulators to put the brakes on that if that's what the city and regulators want to do. Yeah, because the, the business conditions are still favor, right. favorable for it, absolutely. So, um, and I feel like I, we, we keep jumping in different directions, but, Sorry, like, yeah. on that no, but on that note, yeah, like, so what, um, so you spoke at the very beginning about this, was it 50 room limit? Yes. So yeah, what are the current rules? Because and why did those tells on Meeting Street get approved if there is a 50 room limit on the peninsula? Right. So on most parts of the peninsula, you have that 50 room cap except for this full service box in the Upper King Upper Meeting Street area. And in that box, you can build right now, as the rules are, an unlimited number of rooms if it's a full-service property. So like we said before, full-service means you need to have a certain amount of meeting space and you need to have a restaurant that serves three meals a day. Right now, those are the only why, why? specifications. I, do, I, do, I feel like it's probably, though, worth pointing out. Like It's unlimited number of rooms, but we do have height restrictions in, in this area. So you would have like it, it, you couldn't actually build an unlimited number of rooms. You would you would run into a physical limit of oh, how yeah. many rooms yeah, you possibly could put. And in. what are the height restrictions? It's complicated. It's basically how far away it is from the side of the street. So in what it means in practical terms is that you build you end up building like a pyramid. If in if you look Sorry, at all of our new if you, if you want to build to the max. Oh, they, yeah, yeah you, what, right you'll, what you'll see, it. and it's not really, it's kind of like a stepped pyramid. Like yeah. you can build the uh, uh, like a eight or 10 story central tower and then around it have like a five story building and then like two story parts on the street. I'm gonna like, and then you can get more yeah. for a quote unquote architectural merit. You can usually get a little bit of extra height. Yeah, there's a little wiggle room. I'm going to yes. take a photo of the pyramid out this window and put it in the podcast. <laughs> so you guys know, because I I never even thought about that until you said yeah. it, but then I looked out the window and yeah, it looks like the Hyatt has that. Right. And I, yeah, I've seen other places though. Huh. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, I know. it's quote unquote unlimited. Obviously you're limited by space, height restrictions, space. Yeah. the space of, of how big your lot is. Um, but that is one of the things that the proposed ordinance would change. It would cap it at 250 rooms if you meet 
full service requirements. But right now, it is not capped at anything, and the two requirements you have to meet are that restaurant and a certain amount of meeting space. So why does this area, why is it exempt from the 50-room rule? Is it just because at one point there weren't that many here? Yeah, and it was identified as an area on the peninsula that people at that time thought would benefit right from having those hotels and if you if you think about it i mean the um the hyatt is 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 not very old right um, no it's pretty i remember it was yeah, built yeah yeah so a, a lot of these a lot of these properties are are recent those that that rule that established this full service box that actually isn't even that old either it's just that the development here has moved very quickly yeah i mean all of these hotels you know, in the Upper Peninsula really popped up at once, you know, yeah. like, like, for instance, I'm not even sure the Hyatt was there when I first started at the Post and Courier, which was five years ago. So I'm not sure when it was built, but it was like, yeah. that's definitely been here. Yeah, and it was sold, sold last year. That's I the, saw it getting built, you know, living do, downtown. That so. was the, that was like many, the highest or the, the highest price value real estate transaction on the peninsula. Yeah. 121 million. Really? Do you know yeah. how many rooms it has? That's a great question. I don't know that off the top of my head. Uh, it's. Okay. Um, I did know that at one point, yeah. especially when that was getting sold. Uh, uh, yeah, I was just looking it up, though. Wikipedia says that the Francis Marion actually only has 226 rooms, which is kind of fewer than I thought. Yeah, and if, and the Francis Marion also has a, a good amount of that, that space, especially if you're thinking first level. That is, um, there's a Starbucks there. The lobby is huge. Yeah. It's restaurant, you right, know. Yeah. Yeah. I did want to talk a little bit about, especially since we're on the heels of a mayoral race right now, Tecklenburg, you know, when he was running, kind of one of his big things was he was going to help calm down. Rain in. <laughs> Make, yeah. Rain in was what he used Rain a lot. in, yeah. yeah, like settling the uh, the hotel growth. But that yes. is, some people have criticized him for maybe not following through on those. Correct. And, um, you know, even a lot of the places we were talking about, I don't know if the planning was before he was elected, but happened built recently, as you described. Can we talk a little bit about like why it's been difficult for Tecklenburg to follow through on that and how the hotel question is, you know, kind of a point in the current mayoral race? Definitely. Um, so the first idea that Mayor Tecklenburg proposed when he was running for mayor was a one-year moratorium on hotels. That didn't exactly go over well or get much support. Right, because um, he only has one vote on city council. Is that mm-hmm, accurate? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not just like he can do it. He doesn't have... Right. Yeah, and that and that is what that is what he, he has said, is that he has brought essentially three three different ideas to city council was not able to get the support so there was first that that one year moratorium and then there was an idea that involved the uh, what's called the accommodations overlay so to even be eligible to build a hotel on your property it has to be part of this overlay and he was suggesting taking this chunk not necessarily all what, in the same wait, sorry, place what is an overlay sure so Ooh, I'm gonna try not to make this boring because it's zoning. <laughs> I've been I've said zoning too many times Emily and it's not a sexy word. It's really zoning. not. Yeah. Love some zoning. So you have you have your base zoning in an area, and then essentially on top of that, which is why they call it an overlay, in this example it's an accommodations overlay. So you would have 
your your base zoning is commercial, you know. And then on top of that, you also have to be either already in or placed in, city council has to do that, the accommodations overlay, which says this property, in addition to being this other thing, can be a hotel. Okay. You have to so you it's have like special to be areas in that. for hotels. Exactly. And it's it's not it's it's done parcel by parcel. Um so that was one of his suggestions is removing some properties from the accommodations overlay. That again didn't didn't really get support. And then the most recent proposal that he had is actually really similar to what's going through right now. And I think the difference that happened with that it, it's it's several different things. We talked about that really large hotel that people called it a tipping point. Conversation has just changed. The proposal now is 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 different from what Mayor Tecklenburg had originally proposed last year. But again, it is it's along the same lines though. It's building off of that. And this time though, he brought together this hotel task force, which has some other members of council representatives from Preservation Society, Explore Charleston, um, hotel industry. It kind of brought that mix together. And then city council supported it. So the the difference in the last several months is it's become a conversation that's brought more people into it. So now people are kind of getting more on board with what he wanted to do, but it, not in quite the same way. But right, right, but and with with their own suggestions, with their own critiques right. of what he'd brought forward, and there are candidates for mayor on the hotel task force. For example, uh, Councilman Mike Seekins. Yeah, say, yeah, He's Mike been Seekins. a very vocal member of that task force. He was at the planning commission when they were reviewing it, encouraged them to um, move forward on it. And sorry, now I'm forgetting the second part of your question. <laughs> Oh, my question was uh, around, is this a point of contention in the current mayoral race? Mm, yeah. I don't know if I would say it's a point of contention, but it is a it is a point, and it's a point that they've tried to um, really get consensus on, I think, over the last few months. Whereas those two previous ideas, that wasn't so much the case. I mean, it seems like the consensus is definitely coalescing around hotels being bad or at least being something that, <laughs> right. that needs to be controlled. Needs it, to be, it, yeah. Are, like, are, is, is there really a political force out there that is unabashedly pro-hotel? That, no. Yeah. Th- yeah. I guess that's what I'm saying. It's, it's yeah. definitely not a point of contention. It's, it's more a point of it's any sort of disagreements are on... A smaller level, you know, of, of how right. exactly to go about it. Um, but I guess, my, you know, the thing that I was kind of thinking about, please correct me if something I'm saying is not accurate, but, you know, you have Tecklenburg made these promises around it and then it's been hard for him to follow through. But it's not, necess- you know, but it's because the mayor doesn't really have that much control, really. And then I've seen and stories from Mike Seekings, I believe, that he's kind of running on this platform of like Tecklenburg didn't do it, but I can. And I just wonder, you know, but is that the issue or is it around the consensus and the timing? Yeah, I think there's, there seems to be a a consensus about the way to move forward, but definitely criticism of it taking so long. I think that's it, of letting it get to a point where it felt a little more out of hand. But isn't that just kind of the human nature? It's like, (laughs) you know, like when, you know, a few years ago, it didn't feel as like crazy. And now that 
all of these hotels are like popping up in like one block. Well, right. I'm, oh. Welcome to democracy. And that's, yeah, that's, right. that's, that's, that's part of that's part of what got people in a room and wanting to sit there and serve on a task force and talk it out um, because it got to a point where, like I said, that that hotel on, on Meeting Street just became this talking point over and over again. And, and I think it I think it brought a lot of people in the same room wanting to to do something. And and the the consensus, if I can kind of describe it a little bit and describe the main points of of what they're doing, the first thing is just to have more language in the rules for anyone who wants to build a hotel to protect office space, protect existing retail, and protect residential units. Putting a cap in that full-service box on 250 rooms, not unlimited, that's one of the factors. And another big one is just putting more tools in the hands of that zoning board. Like I said, there, someone comes to them with a proposed hotel. Do they check all the boxes? They really need to say yes. But there are some changes in this new proposal that gives them a little more judgment in terms of looking at how many other hotels are in the area. Right. Is this an area that could benefit from this business? So it's really, it's that's the that's really the idea they they really rallied around is yeah. this board needs some more room to make some judgment calls. I think it's probably around time to start wrapping this up. But um, before we go, what what comes next? There is a set process of what what happens next. So these rules most recently went to the planning commission. They had some notes, like I said, maybe don't ban all rooftop bars on hotels. <laughs> but they said okay to it. That means it goes back to that hotel task force. They're going to need to meet, talk through it again. They might make some tweaks and changes. And then it goes back to city council. And they could give it second and third reading in the same night, which would mean it's approved and it's done. So we'll see what happens. Just to be clear, though, if this goes through, as we've talked about, mm -hmm. will it impact any of the projects that we have talked about? No. So it would be it would only be like moving forward. It would only apply to hotels that have not gotten their approval from this Board of Zoning Appeals. So any any hotel that right. already has gotten that approval, which there are a lot of them. Yeah, how many of the, are there of those um, that haven't been built? It's, it's about 2,600 rooms. Mm. But wow. I, I guess I, I hesitate to give a number necessarily of how many because— How, how many do we have it's currently? Not, it's not guaranteed. We 4,900. So that's like growing by like almost 50%. It's it's right? it's significant, but it, but again, it, we, would, we, we, we don't we don't have yeah. there aren't guarantees, you know that right. it's it's going to happen. Um, like there are a couple properties on Market Street that got their approvals years ago, right. and they haven't moved forward. So, I mean, uh, take that with a grain of salt. Something that has gotten its approval isn't necessarily going to become a hotel, and it might take several years, but. Anything that has gotten that approval would not be impacted by this. We're only looking at this impacting properties that have not gotten that approval yet. So a good example of one that people actually might be familiar with is the Carroll Building um, on North Market Street. So that used to be the Art Institute of Charleston. Oh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. People might be familiar with that. I've written about it. It was put up for sale recently and... 
they at least submitted something to the city and it's popped up on a couple of agendas. It hasn't actually been reviewed by the Board of Zoning Appeals yet, but there is definitely interest out there in building a hotel at that property. If this goes through before they got that approval, the new rules would apply to that, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, an example of one that, that people will probably be familiar with that that building and yes that was the end of the sentence i don't know why i, <laughs> I don't know why i said and well, and i think that's and, the end of the episode and that's it yeah and emory so, do you understand south carolina better i certainly do yeah i know a lot more now about the tension of trying to balance the needs of generating tourism revenue and protecting people's quality of life and maybe even ability to afford to live here all related. Everything is intertwined. Brooks, how about you? Do you understand South Carolina better? Yeah. Um, I think that for me, it's, you know, realizing how complicated all these processes are and that there's like kind of a too little too late thing almost that's happening. I think that that's really fascinating. I still don't understand why we're trying to ban rooftop bars fully. Is that okay? Is that a biased thing to say? I don't know. Rooftop bars don't bother me, so is that okay? Is that me taking this point of view? I don't know. I mean, I to be know. fair, there hasn't been much explanation offered. Right. right. So, you know, that's, I, I'm still. You're just agreeing with the planning commission. Yeah, I'm still like, what? what's up with that, man? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I know. I mean, all the other stuff makes a lot more sense now because I've definitely been wondering, like, why so many hotels? And now I know. Mm-hmm. Because it's been hard to put in a play, put in a plan to stop them. Emily, how yes. can listeners get in touch with you or follow you online? Well, uh, people can follow me on Twitter at Emily E underscore Williams, um, or please email me. Uh, I would love to hear your thoughts and comments. It's e Williams at postandcourier dot com. And do you have a really awesome newsletter? I do. I do. It comes out Monday and Thursday. Um, you can go to postandcourier.com slash newsletter. Um, newsletters. Newsletters. Sorry. Yes. Newsletters. Um, or uh, we post our Thursday newsletters online every week, and there are a lot of easy and fun links in those stories to yes, sign up for it. Sign up boxes on all of our business stories. Yes. So, yeah. Um, Emily's newsletter is a, a business newsletter. And it is by far one of our most popular. Really good. If really you're, well done. So. If you're interested in following this topic and topics like it, definitely go subscribe to that. Please do. See you later. Oh, also, oh. one thing I just thought about. We're in the middle of kind of planning out our next few episodes. So if any of you readers have any ideas, please. What do, what do you want to understand? What do you want to understand better? About South Carolina. Email us at understandsc at postandcourier.com. See you later. Bye. All right, and that's all. Understand South Carolina is a production of The Post and Courier in Charleston. Our theme song is by Billy Fountain. You can stream his music by searching for Billy, that's with an I-E, Fountain, on Spotify. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. You can get in touch with us by emailing understandsc at postandcourier.com, or, of course, you can tweet at us with any questions or comments. And if you're a fan of the show, please take a second to like us and leave a rating on the Apple Podcast Store. See y'all later.